Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello out there and welcome back. If you are a returning listener of Stand Out, the podcast all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry, and welcome if you are a first-time listener. We are so glad you tuned in. I'm Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. Today's topic isn't an easy one to tackle, but it is so important to talk about both from the service provider side and just the human side. We're going to talk about how we can help our clients stay organized during a major health challenge. And I'm sure there are going to be tips within this episode that we can tuck away for ourselves. Although difficult, this is a great topic because health scares and challenges can come when we least expect them. And if you've got repeat clients, how wonderful would it be for you to be prepared and there for them during a difficult time and know exactly how to serve them? Today's guest, Megan Spears, CPO at Disorder to Order, wasn't prepared for what happened in 2017. Her husband was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. As you can imagine, this brought on unimaginable challenges, twists, and turns to Megan's life. Now, on the other side of it, she has a wealth of knowledge and is going to share how we can better prepare ourselves for life and for our clients. Certified professional organizer and productivity leader Megan Spears started Disorder to Order LLC in 2004. She immediately joined NAPO and the NAPO Oregon chapter. She has since become a Golden Circle member of NAPO and has served the association in various leadership positions throughout her tenure as a member. Megan is passionate about education and training. In 2010, she graduated from the Coach Approach Organizer Coach Training Program, where she learned the value of coaching brings the client conversation. In 2012, she became a certified professional organizer, which reflects on her commitment and ethical bond to the organizing and productivity industry. And she is one of seven organizers that hold the CPO credential in the state of Oregon. Megan has also earned certificates of study in basic chronic disorganization, basic ADD issues with chronically disorganized clients, and client administration from the Institute of Challenging Disorganization. As she continues to strive for excellence in the organizing and productivity industry, her real passion and purpose in life is to support sustainability for herself and her clients as an environmentally conscious organizer, which she brings to each one of her client experiences. And while I was learning about Megan, I was kind of on her website and on her LinkedIn page and just getting to know her before I actually have her here in person. I found on her website a really lovely quote and I wanted to share it with you. Being organized needs to fit within your way of life, not make life harder. It is possible to find that balance between what we can do and what we need to do. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. You make me sound so good. <laughs> well, listen, these are all true statements. So you are actually so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to share, you know, some of the things that I've learned along the way. And I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll help other people. 
Oof, this is going to be a bit of a heavy topic. And I actually asked Megan before we hopped on here, you know, if she's comfortable sharing her story with us, because this wasn't that long ago, Megan, that you went through all of this. No, and actually we are, March 9th will be two years from diagnosis. And uh, it basically was just a, a routine screen. So preventative actions always are just an essential part of our overall health. Um, My husband went in for his annual colonoscopy or his first colonoscopy for his 50th. And, you know, the doctor just walked in the door and said, hey, man, you have cancer. And, you know, it was kind of like just this moment of, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and you don't really you can't really describe what that feels like. But, you know, it it was kind of funny to listen to his reaction, because, of course, his first thought was, you know, well, am I going to miss work? Is this going to be like a problem? I mean, how much time is this going to take? And my first reaction was, I don't know what this means. And so, you know, really wanting to understand all that was coming down the pipe was just not something I was prepared for. I mean, how can you be? We, I guess we think about these things or if we have friends who experience something traumatic like this, we all wonder the same thing. Like, I don't know how they're doing this, how they're showing up every day. And so can you walk us through then, okay, so we got the diagnosis and he was worried about work and you're worried about, you know, what does this yeah, what mean? Does this mean? And, and, you know, our, our first reaction, honestly, was we weren't going to say anything to anybody. We were just going to kind of try to keep it contained in, you know, in the little bubble until we actually knew what you know, what we were dealing with. And I can almost, I can really remember very vividly the unfolding, how it unfolded, because it was the first few days, it was just kind of, we kept it within ourselves. And then, you know, it was, it was like a Thursday when we got the diagnosis. And then it was, you know, a couple days later, we went into the surgeon and it got a little progressively worse. So it was, okay, we're going to do a CT scan. And then we went in for the CT scan. And then the doctor called and said it had gone into his liver, which, you know, if you know anything about cancer, when it metastasizes into another part of your body, it, it basically has left its state of origin and goes somewhere else, which means you automatically go from, you know, a one to a four. And, you know, statistically, for anybody out there that has ever received a cancer diagnosis, you should just know you should never, ever, ever, ever go to the internet for information because, you know, statistically his survival rate to five years was 11%. So, you know, if we were kind of like, oh my gosh, what do you do with that? So as things started to kind of progress, you know, we realized we needed to kind of bring in our bubble, you know, our circle, because It was, you know, it started with an email. We emailed, you know, our friends and family and said, you know, here's what's going on. And then as soon as it had kind of reached into that, what I would call the friend circle, it immediately fell into our community. And so it was like, you know, he works in a retail store. And so people come in the store and know him really well. And so all of a sudden it was like, you know, and you you have to be able to manage the information and and being able to answer questions and answer things that people want to know because of course everyone wants to know and and it's at that point it's so overwhelming you just can't manage like who I told what or who knows this or who knows that so 
we actually, within about maybe two weeks, we had started a CaringBridge site, which was just huge because it gave me an opportunity to process what I was feeling in such a way that I could kind of think about what I was wanted to say and then be able to kind of put it out there for people to be able to respond. And then, you know, it was surgery and then treatment and, you know, it just kind of fell down the down the hill. So for those of our listeners who may not know, can you kind of unpack what Caring Bridge, what that website is and what it does for both the family and and the friends and family of the person who's being infected? So Caring Bridge is is a fabulous site that is basically like a blog or a journal. It's a place that you as the caregiver or the patient or the family member can post updates or, you know, blog posts about things and people can subscribe to the to your your particular site and get updates in their email box, you know, pretty directly once you post. And it's wonderful simply because you then as the, in my situation, it was as caregiver, I could post an update and then I only have to say it one time. And I don't have to repeat myself and I don't have to, you know, remember who knows what. And what's nice too, is you actually have the opportunity to see who has seen your post. So like when I would go into the grocery store and people would come up to me, I knew that my neighbor saw my post. So I didn't have to, you know, she wouldn't ask me how are things, I mean, she would say, how are things going? But she wouldn't ask me, you know, what's going on? Because I knew she knew. And so that was really helpful. And it was, it really allowed me to not have to stress about, you know, who I was communicating to. It also connects to like GoFundMes and they've really done a great job kind of bringing, you know, meal train services, bringing all those services into one place so that as the caregiver, you kind of can have that hub. It's just, I feel like that's just a big weight off of your shoulders, especially as the caregiver. I mean, I've never gone through anything that large in my life, but there are some smaller situations that I've gone through where that is just one of those things where you feel this level of guilt if you haven't thought of everyone to reach out to, to, to share what's going on, because you know they care. At the same time, you're dealing with this new information firsthand and taking care of someone, and that's a lot to deal with too. So, so you've been an organizer for a very long time. When did you kind of kick in all that you know and all of your talents to help you keep your life as normal as possible? You have kids too, don't you? Do you I not? I do. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. So they were 12 and 14 when my husband was diagnosed. And, you know, we were really, it was really important from us right from the beginning to just be 100% transparent with them about what was going on because they were really at that critical age where secrets were too obvious and, you know, not being real with what the situation we were dealing with was, you know, so unknown. I mean, you know, with statistics of survival, it was like, we needed to just make sure they knew everything that was going on every step of the way. Actually, it's kind of funny when that happened, when kind of my instincts kicked in, because I think I lived in a, a bit of a bubble for, you know, the first couple of, of weeks, you know, and actually really not even the first couple of weeks, because I continued to work for about a month and a half to two months from diagnosis. And, you know, I managed to kind of get through the surgery and get him started with chemo. But I started to recognize 
the decay in not only my quality of work, but my ability to focus and just feeling a sense of control in light, you know, that balance between work and family. And I was just constantly feeling that tug of, I wasn't giving one enough attention. And then you immediately go into that, you know, like, I'm not doing, you know, I'm doing a terrible job and blah, blah, blah. So, and I can remember it was probably a couple months in, I couldn't sleep and I woke up at about two in the morning and I was just kind of, you know, going through just reading Caring Bridge comments and, and I just had this moment where I was like, you know what, I just need to stop. I need to stop and stop feeling like I'm putting so much on my plate to keep everything together because, you know, in that situation, your concern is always the patient and the care but then, you know, your finances. I mean, we were looking at, you know, over half a million dollars of medical expenses that we incurred. And you, you worry, like, I need to be working because I have to work. And, you know, statistics will show, I've read so many articles about how people go into financial ruin because of a diagnosis like this. And so that's where I kind of had this like, I can't do this. I need to stop one thing and I can't stop caring for my family. So I need to stop working. And so I just pulled out my phone. I typed up an email and I just said, you know, I'm sorry, this is too difficult. I, and I basically broke up with all my clients and I just said, you know, I hope you understand my situation. I hope you at some point, you know, we can reconnect, you know, I can give you referrals if you need that, but I just can't do this. I can't continue to push myself because my kids needed one parent that was, you know, head on straight. And so I just quit. I just stopped working. And I, I kind of took that break for a few months and really started to kind of recognize once I cleared that from my plate, I was able to better identify kind of the problem areas, you know, learning how to ask for help is a huge problem for me. So that was something I could not really, took me a very long time to figure that out, but it allowed me the space to really reflect on my own self-care because that's where you tend to kind of, as we kind of have talked, <laughs> you deprioritize your own health when there's other things going on, for sure. Parents do it with kids, you know, spouses do it with sick husbands, you know, we all do it. And it's easy to just push that down the list of things to do. And so really giving myself that space allowed me to see things so differently that I, I just was able to really start kind of tackling things in a more effective way. You know, it's, it's funny because it's a big job. It's a big job being a caregiver and, you know, big things are not easy to do. You have to, you have to break it down into these tiny little steps. And I mean, these are all things that we teach our clients every day, you know? And so, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's for me, this was an opportunity to really see firsthand how my clients and really feel how my clients feel every single day, whether they're dealing with health or, or, you know, chronic disorganization or, you know, a medical diagnosis or just plain life. You know, I mean, it was like, you kind of sit there and you feel like you're looking in a mirror going, oh, so that's how they feel when I ask them that question. That kind of perspective is, I think, 
it doesn't come along very often for service providers like organizers and productivity specialists. But at the same time, you know, I've been doing this podcast now for a little over a year. And it's funny, every guest that comes on has something to share, their expertise. And I look at it, it, I could do this podcast from the angle of, okay, our listeners can now share this knowledge with their clients. But a lot of it is information that we can just take for ourselves and apply it to our own lives. Because as organizers, as productivity specialists, even though that's what we're good at, I mean, life still happens to us. You know, a lot of us are entrepreneurs and and we're building a business or we're working for someone who's also trying to build a business and a brand and help people. And that is overwhelming. So I love that you said that this was an opportunity for you to open your eyes. And now you have this beautiful perspective to help your clients even more so in your work with them. Has your work with, I, I'm assuming, have you gone back to work? Have you taken? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. I, I only took about four months off. I, it's really, really hard to keep me down. I'm like, I'm a very busy person. And I kind of, when things really, when his treatment kind of started to wind down and, you know, my time became a little bit freer, I did start re-engaging with some of my clients. And, you know, thankfully I was able to bring some of the ones that I had broken up with, they came back to me. And I was very grateful for that because I love the work that I do. And I love being able to help people in their work. But yes, I'm, I'm now back at full steam and things are, are really good. It's interesting because I always kind of have this little fear sitting on my shoulder of like, if something were to come up again, how would I handle that? And that's something I kind of wrestle with a lot, but kind of knowing what we've been through and what we, what has happened, I feel like I can, I'm more prepared for that. I don't necessarily know as I would know how, what's, you know, how I would handle it, but it's, it's interesting. You had mentioned something about, you know, kind of having that perspective of my clients, you know, the thing that I think I really understand so much more, and I, I always felt like I had a good handle on that, but it's just having empathy for people, you know, and really not knowing that you don't know what their situation is. You don't know how things are impacting their daily life or how they handle decisions. So when a client doesn't call you back or return a call or an email or, you know, you, you deliver something that you think is like, oh, this is so amazing. And you don't get, you know, you just don't know, you don't know what they're thinking. And, and that's okay. I mean, it doesn't make it like you didn't do a bad job, but at the same time, it's like you just can have a deeper understanding of, you know, that's, I've, I've done my part. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to ask, how's your husband doing now? He is good. We had a little bit of a health scare in January. We had to go in for another scan unexpectedly, which, you know, is just kind of a part of the process. But, you know, it came back clear. And so at this point, so when you get to the goal always at diagnosis is to get to two years. So when you get to two years, everything looks different. Um, and, And that means getting to two years without recurrence. And so his chances of his survival rate, which is just a stupid thing. And and I'll be very clear. Our physician never once gave us a statistic. He never once said, you know, this is what your, this is what your prognosis will lead you. This is how long you live or this blah, blah, blah. None of that. He basically went from statistically 11% survival to five years to 80%. 
And then, you know, when you get to five years, then it just jumps even more. So it's it's really good. I love that. Okay, so I want to take a break really quickly. We're going to hear a message from Napa. But when we get back, I want to unpack with you, Megan, steps that you know, our listeners can take to help their clients get through something like this. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. And don't forget about the NAPO Annual Conference being held April 3rd through the 7th in Fort Worth, Texas, featuring pre-conference workshops, over 30 concurrent sessions, President's Reception and Keynote Speakers, Michelle Prince, and New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness Project, Gretchen Rubin. More information can be found online at napo.net. All right, we are back. I have Megan Spears here, and she is sharing her story of you know a health challenge that she went through with her husband. And as a professional organizer, as a productivity leader, she kind of took a step back and realized that this is a really valuable lesson for fellow organizers and productivity specialists for our clients, how we can maybe help them through either a health challenge or as you said, Megan, like it doesn't even have to be a health challenge. A lot of our clients are living through feelings like this every day on a you know on a different level, but in their mind it's it's somewhere else and and it's hard for us to always have that empathy that you spoke of and and now you have a crystal clear or a better understanding of what that's like. So let's give our listeners some tactical advice and maybe some guidance as best as you can. I know you said had if you had to go through those again, would you have a clear mind. It's tough. It's emotionally draining. It's it's a big job. So, but if you can take our listeners through, okay, your client comes to you and they say, I'm running a business. I have kids. My spouse is now sick. How would you guide me through that to make this as seamless as possible? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the first thing is, you know, a way of communicating. That's, you know, for me, it was caring bridge for some people, you know, even appointing someone as your voice. You know, some people have assigned a family friend or, you know, a family member to be the one to do all the communicating, like almost a spokesperson. Giving giving a channel to getting all that information out is, is essential. And finding a platform that will help support that, whether it's just your own blog or, you know, something like a caring bridge for me and for you know your clients the one thing that i think is essential that was the thing that kept everything moving forward even at a snail's pace was the structure that we had in our household so in our family we have you know i have two kids and we have a family calendar and that calendar is where everything goes. It's my schedule, my husband's schedule, the kids, the family stuff, everything went onto that schedule. And even on our worst week, that was the thing that just kind of kept everybody moving forward. We knew, you know, I, I do meal planning. So that was like, you know, a great way, even if it was just like, it said out, 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 it didn't matter, or people brought us food. We had that in place. So the structure of your home, whether it be simple or complex, those things are really going to help allow you to let all the other stuff fall away and just keep those main things in place. The other thing that is was helpful, especially with kids, is the routine. You know, just that consistent routine of, you know, they 
like having the family calendar, they know where all the information is. There was never a question if they came home from school, if mom and dad weren't there, it was on the calendar. They didn't have to ask the question, but keeping the things also that you do in your home or your, in your family, you know, cycle consistent, you know, bedtimes, how much time you spend on electronics, you know, all those things are all things that make kids feel safe and really they make us feel safe as adults, you know? So kind of keeping those routines in place, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was, I, it's really hard for me to ask for help. I, that's something I always struggle with. I have always kind of had a difficulty in being able to say, I can't do this. And that was a hard lesson to learn. And I think when you're looking at your clients and you know how they are and, and I'm sure it's hard for them. I think with a lot of my clients, even calling me, it was hard for them to do that and utilizing that as, you know what, I know this is hard for you. Where can we take things off your plate? You know, just looking for those tiny areas. I, I actually, in preparation for this podcast, I talked to a friend and, you know, she had said to me, you know, the one thing that I always wanted to do for you was just give you an outlet, like even just a counselor, like somebody you could go and talk to and just unload all those things on. And, you know, it just, it's kind of, we see that outside looking in, but our clients will never see that for themselves. So really being that reflective mirror for them and saying, here's what I see. Here's, here's some things I see that can be, you know, either delegated or just let go, you know, and, and really talk to them about kind of those, those things that you can see that they need because they will never see it. They'll never see it. <laughs> this is, you know, you bring up an interesting point. So, okay. When you go through a health scare or anything in life that really like is this much of a weight on your shoulders? I think finances are one of the first things that come to your mind as the one affected. And so then I think, well, are they going, although they need an organizer or, or you know, they continue to work with us, they might, that might be the first thing they think about as another weight on their shoulders is, is paying for our services. So would you say that maybe as organizers, if, if, especially if you work in the home or with business owners or things like that to prepare some sort of like one sheet or just this like this form that you can say, thank you for letting me know what you're going through. I understand. Here's this information I can give to you. If you want me further, great. If not, I really hope this helps. So that we're giving something a little, like what, how would you like, yeah, I don't well, know. And, and that's a really good question, Sarah, because, you know, one of the things that I came across was, and I'm kind of like a freak about resources. I like my clients to really know that if they have, if they need something or need to find something, they can call me and, you know, really being a resource for them, whether it be giving them a list of places they can go, you know, there's the thing that's nice and, or, or recommending to them, you know, talk to your, you know, your local hospitals, you know, if there's a cancer center or, you know, they have counselors that can help them provide them resources for things that they need, because you're right. Our services 
for a lot of people, although necessary, are sometimes a luxury. It's in absolutely when you are in a financial situation where you are facing mountains of bills, you want to cut everything. So, you know, even just being able to give them tips or pointing them to a blog, pointing them to resources that are tangible. Caring Bridge is great. You know, there's a meal train company. GoFundMe is, you know, fantastic, a way to help them offset perhaps some of their finances. As I mentioned, specific to whatever, you know, if it's a disease or a situation, you can go to a, a lot of times they'll have like an alliance or an association that provides them resources for whatever they need. Another place that I found a lot of comfort and support were Facebook groups. There's one for particular cancer that we have called Blue Hope Nation. That is about 10,000 people. And, and when I first joined, it was the most scary this is probably the scariest thing I had ever seen because the first time I logged in and I started getting those feeds, it was all people dying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And I'm like, is this really real? And, and, and why, why do people just talk about it? Like, it's just so normal. And it's like, well, because it really is. And, you know, just being able to go to a group of people that understand your situation, that know what you're going through, and that can provide you with support, whether it be, you know, hey, I need this type of service, or just even a listening ear. That was huge. Um, there's a place called caregiving101.com, which is a great resource for people. But it also, it talks about the, they call it the IRS of caregiving. And I'm trying to remember what it is. It's, I'll have to think about that for a second. I can't remember what it's called. But the other thing is, is I found for me, it's, it's, it was important to kind of write everything down and track your questions. You know, my husband and I, we would take walks every night, um, walk our dog every night. And those would be the times when we were by ourselves that we would talk about his symptoms and talk about how he was feeling and, you know, things that were happening, happening to him. Inevitably, I would just, we kind of had a, li a shared list that the two of us had access to that we could put things down on a list and be able to when we go to the doctor's office, I would pull it up and I would say, okay, remember you need to talk to him about, you know, this one particular thing or, you know, and, and literally check it off because, you know, when you get in front of the doctor, you don't remember what you talked about even three days ago. You're like, oh yeah, there was that thing we talked about. What was that? So, you know, giving them the opportunity to kind of just track that information that was huge for us. Let's say our listeners have a client and their outcome is different than what yours is. And, or maybe they have someone come to them after they lose a friend, a spouse, like wherever they're at in that grief process or in that, I mean, we're about to hit the grief process. How do we show up as professionals? I, I want us to be present, but then what exactly does that mean? Do we lead them to like a post like we did when they, they started this journey, but now this one's very different? Do we call them? Like, I got this one piece of advice from a friend who was going through something after she was done going through something hard where people say, what can I do? Like People ask the caregiver or ask the person suffering what they can do when she's like, all I wanted was for someone just to do anything and for me not to have to make another decision. So what can our, like, what can we do that's proactive? But we all, as friends or as, as, as service providers, we may not really, we don't know, do, do you want food? 
road? Do you want coffee? Like, do you need a ride somewhere? Like, it's coming from a good place. Oh, and you know what? But how can you, we I'm show so up without giving because our clients another decision is to make? Such a huge part of this is that decision making is is just awful. It is it's a horrible part of the process. And and I think there's so there's a couple things that I would say to that. I would say number 1, we just have to listen. We have to listen to what our clients are saying because they are telling us what they need. They are saying what they're struggling with. They're telling you you can probably if you see their face or you see them physically, they can tell you. I know there was many days where my sister would come over and she'd be like, girl, just go take a shower. Like you, you just need to do that. Tell me what to do. And, and I think, I think when, when somebody has brought you into their life to help them say to them, I'd like for us to do one, two, and three today. How do you feel about that? If they say great, then you just go with it and just give them a cup of coffee. Let them sit there, ask them what they want to do. Maybe the, maybe the actual physical part of it is what's going to help them feel better about doing something. You know, we talked a little bit about those kind of small pieces. I, I remember some days I was just excited that I went to the grocery store. Like that was like my big thing for the day. It was like, oh my gosh, I made the shopping list. I went to the store and we actually have food in the refrigerator. You know, those kinds of things just feel normal. It's it's being able to feel like you're doing the things that you always do that you know you can do, but yet you just, for whatever reason, it just seems so much bigger. You know, that that decision-making of, saying to somebody, what can I do? Often I find now I try to look for ways that I can just say, Hey, I'm going to bring food to your house on Thursday. Is that a good day? Or would Friday be better? Or say to them, Hey, I'd like to make you a list of things that you can do this week until our next session. Or, Hey, don't worry about this part of the project that might seem more complicated or hard. Why don't you concentrate on these pieces and just tell them, guide them. It's like holding a child's hand and taking them to where they need to go because they're just a little bit unsure. They're not really, it's not that they can't do it or they won't do it. They just are not really confident. They don't have that strength within them to say, okay, I can do this. And, you know, I think they want that. I think people want to be led into that space. So, I mean, those, those are the things, but I think, you know, honestly, just listening and, and hearing what they have to say is, is going to be probably the most important thing that you can do. Because I think, you know, especially when someone has lost someone, a loved one, and there's been that, you know, that immediate action or, or perhaps even a long prolonged, you know, somebody who has a long illness, you inevitably are going to be able to deal with the stuff. But I think the first thing that they really have to deal with is that grief and loss and they, and get, get to a place where they feel like they can process that all the decisions that you make during that time. I don't know as I remember, you know, I don't know if they remember. And I think we make snap decisions where we want to throw a bunch of stuff away or, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that's not okay. I'm just saying it's important to really help them to understand the capacity or the, you know, the impact of those decisions. Oh, Megan, thank you for, for sharing your story with us and for your, I don't know, I think it's kind of brave that you are willing to be so vulnerable. So, you know, it's only been two years since your life kind of changed and you're taking that situation and you're making it 
really amazing. I know we've got a lot of listeners out there who are going to take this to heart. So I usually ask my guests, you know, for two sticky notes of what, um, you know, our listeners can do within their business, their life to, to make a change. But what I would like to ask from you is, since things like this can happen unexpectedly, so we can be better prepared service providers, what are two things that we can do in our business so that if we get the opportunity to be there for someone that we are ready. So what are two things we can do to be more ready for our friends, our family, ourselves, and our clients? Well, I think one thing for sure is just having having those resources available, knowing what's available in your community. I mean, I live in a rural community, so where I live is not nearly what's available to me in, in a larger city. So just knowing what's available to you in your immediate in your immediate area is essential. That's something you can put into your tool bag. You can take it with you. It's helpful to yourself. It's helpful to your clients, you know, your community. I think the other thing is just giving yourself the grace to know that it's it's okay. You know, one of the whole motivations why I wanted to do this podcast was because I feel like as organizers, we always set the bar for ourselves to be, you know, the example. And I feel like one of the things that my clients really appreciate is they know that I'm human. They know that I'm vulnerable and they know that even the most organized people have a bad day or have to go through a difficult situation. And so I think when you can when you can show people that you are human and that you make mistakes or you have to rely on those things that, you know, those foundation I mean for me it was those foundational things that worked that kept us above water and it was it was barely there were many days where we screwed up in a lot of different ways. And so I think when you can show people that and show them that you it's okay that when they make a mistake, they feel better about themselves because they go, oh, well, she's the expert. She's the one that knows. But, you know, it's, it, we're human, you know, and, and you just can't be fully prepared. I think that makes us more relatable too. I think it's really hard. And back, so this is kind of unrelated, but back in the day when I first started my business, I, I came on my marketing as this very put together, polished professional. And I got a lot of feedback that it's like, I'm a little intimidated to work with you because you're so put together. I'm going to be self-conscious around you. And, but that's not me as a person. I love helping, you know, disorder to order. I love that. And that's what gives me fuel. So if I could be a little bit more relatable, that's when my business really opened up. So I think that's a really good point that we don't have to be this, like the statue of perfection because we're not. And, and I, I think too, I think kind of knowing that this happens to everybody. I mean, I'm fairly confident to say that if not in your immediate family, someone in your family will experience some sort of crisis, whether you're young, old, doesn't matter, you know, and, and I think, I think just kind of knowing that you need to fall back on those things that always serve you really, really well and teaching our clients to create those things, you know, those, those structural pieces that kind of keep things afloat. Like if you do nothing else today, make your to-do list, you know, or whatever. Thank you so much, Megan. Where can, if our listeners want to reach out to you, talk to more about you or about this with you or where they can go within NAPO or, or online to get more of this information, where can they reach out to you at? So of course, my website has all my contact information. I am on social media, so you can always reach out to me there. And if you're going to conference, that's always a good place to find me too. There we um, go. <laughs> 
Great. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I know that something I'm going to put on my editorial calendar for the next month is just um, a life crisis preparedness kit almost that I can put out there and it's and I can just have it ready. And I just feel that makes me a more resourceful organizer and, and service provider. So listeners, I challenge you to do the same thing. We never know when this is going to happen in ourselves, our clients' lives, and we just, we really should be prepared. So when life is kind of going along and you've got some extra time, add this to your, your I hate to say your marketing plan, but just, you know, what you use as, as tools. Yeah. So thank you. I'm Sarah Karakayan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. I always appreciate that you come here to listen to our conversations and and learn with me. So if you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. That helps us get amazing guests come to the show and share their stories with us. In addition to reviewing and subscribing um, the podcast, would you share this with your colleagues, your friends, or someone else who might benefit? That would mean so much. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join Learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.